Hello, everyone. This is Molly Douthit. And David Douthit. Welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today's podcast will cover the lectionary selections for year A, the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time. The season of light is revealing more of the challenges of discipleship. Moses lays out the ways of life and death. Paul starts sharpening his attack on the Corinthians' bad behavior. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus intensifies what it means to follow the law. Looks like it's time to make a choice. We hope you'll choose to join our quest for multiple intelligence preaching. We have established this podcast based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, we develop illustrations and special effects for the weekly readings of the Revised Common Lectionary and use various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. We call them word smart, eye smart, math smart, body smart, music smart, nature smart, people smart, and self smart. If you'd like to, you can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage. As we read and reflect on the scripture passages for each week, we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Anytime and any way we make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. So let's get started. The Old Testament lesson for year A, Ordinary 6, comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. This is Moses speaking to the people as they are about to enter into the land that God has promised them. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They've sent the spies over to check out the land, and they're ready to go do it. Um, Moses, of course, is not going into the land because of disobedience out in the wilderness, but Joshua is going to lead them. So he has some last words for the people before they take off. So this is the one where he talks about, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. So Moses asks the people to make a decision as to how they are going to live once they enter into the land. And he encourages them strongly to choose life so that you and your descendants may live and to prosper in the land that God had promised the ancestors. So we have a lot of different options to pursue for the smarts. And if you go to our website, www.morethanhearing.org, you can download our worksheet for this particular passage and see the ones that we are not going to be talking about. (laughs) And Uh, the ones that we are. And the ones that we are, right. Yeah, but you really want to go see the ones that we aren't going to talk about because we have some good stuff there. So today, right now, we're going to look at iSmart, a special effect, Music Smart, an illustration and special effect, Nature Smart, an illustration and special effect, and Self Smart, an illustration and special effect. So David, take it away. Okay. So for iSmart, keying in on, uh, on the visual cues, in this passage, Moses is laying out these two things, the ways of life, the ways of death. And so make a couple of posters, one with images of death and deadly things like bombs and weapons and skulls and skunks and whatever else. Uh, and yeah, that could be deadly, <laughs> especially 11 o'clock at night when the dog uh, runs the in the dog house. Loose. And one with life-giving and prosperous things like hearts and rainbows and unicorns. Yay. 
Yay. And, uh, and set them on either side of you while you're reading the text and uh, preaching and refer to them regularly, that ways of death, ways of life. And, uh, you know, use your own judgment on what to put on them. But, you know, so, so there's a <laughs> clear distinction. Works, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, uh, looking at music smart. Now, remember, this is the smart for people who really tune in uh, on the lyric and the rhythm and the sound of language and actual uh, music itself. Poetry is a good one that fits in here too, but just rhythms, sounds, things that are rhythmic, ways that the language kind of has. What is music motion. smart? What? What is music smart? Didn't I just say all that? Yes, I know. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we were on $25,000 pyramid. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> thought we were on the second verse. Anyway, sorry. so an sorry. illustration for this particular passage for music smart is that this sounds kind of a lot like the torch songs or pop songs where the singer is going on and on and on about how lousy it's going to be if you choose somebody else, but how great it'll be if you choose me. <laughs> uh, and so also we have a, uh, a, a song that illustrates that, a, a little ditty called He Will Break Your Heart by Jerry Butler. So we have a link to that. You can go listen. For Nature Smart, think about verse 19, where Moses is calling on heaven and earth as witnesses. And uh, uh, that that happened in the passage last week, too, I think. Mm-hmm. And, last um, couple of weeks. Th- calling on the mountains as witnesses. Mm-hmm. So here, here we have uh, Moses calling on heaven and earth as witnesses for them as they make their choice whether to choose life or death. And uh, so for special effect, think about what ways the earth that we inhabit would be a witness for or against us in our relationship with God and the choices that we're making about life and death. If life as we know it were to end today, what would the condition of our atmosphere and soil and drinking water and the toxicity that we've left behind say about our choices of life and death and our relationship with God. can push that a little bit further with uh, thinking about the seventh generation philosophy of the Iroquois nation, uh, which says that as you are making your way through your life, you're not only to think of your own existence, but of that of the next seven generations. How will the choices that you are making affect the, the seventh generation out from you? Which is essentially 175 years. Yeah. Yeah. Do we really make decisions thinking, how is that going to affect somebody 175 years from now? Uh, Some we do, actually. I was watching a program on PBS about uh, nuclear power, and they're thinking about how do we, uh, when we bury nuclear waste, how do we make sure that people 10,000 years in the future will not dig this up? Oh, wow. Yeah, since you mentioned it. Huh. Um, so there, there are some people who are thinking that far ahead, and, and that and, far ahead. Yeah. yeah. How how would you be able to convince someone ten thousand years in the future? Don't dig this up. Yeah. And then finally, for self smart, there's just kind of this sense throughout the passage that the choice that Moses is asking the people to make is to love the Lord, to obey, to walk in God's ways, to live trusting that God will fill all aspects of their being and of their life. And so uh, for a 
an illustration of how that might look, um, particularly as in, in terms of a self, of, of looking at it in terms of your own personal uh, relationship with God. Here are some ideas and some images of what it might mean to be so devoted to God. A balloon blowing up with air, to borrow from our, our uh, illustrations for the gospel for last week. God is filling that thing up. A flower opening up in blossom, a kite taking off in flight, vitamins or antibiotics coursing through a bloodstream, or just simply taking a deep breath. And for a special effect, you might encourage your congregations on their own time to brainstorm some other images of being deeply held by God or of God being deeply embedded in your life. And use that particular image as a focal point in your quiet times in the coming week on your commute, but only if you're not driving, be safe, uh, while taking a walk, in the shower, lying in bed, if you, have a, if you have your own regular quiet time. What is that image? What is that focus of how God is filling your life, of how you are embedded in God? You could also make or find a charm of whatever that object is and then hang it someplace where you'll see it. Rearview mirror, mirror in, uh, in your bathroom, bedside table whatever. Okay, let's go on. The epistle lesson for year A, Ordinary 6, is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Paul is here intensifying his discussion with, with the congregation in Corinth about their bad behavior. And so he tells them, first of all, that they are not being spiritual, but they're just being fleshly. They're being humanly. You're being all fleshy. Yeah. And uh, so the first part of this is, is really kind of body smartish because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of reference to being in the flesh, which doesn't necessarily mean their physical bodies, but um, that's how you're going to hear that probably mm-hmm. anyway. So anyway, he says, uh, I couldn't even give you good spiritual food because you're not ready for it. So I had to give you Christian baby food, Christian milk. Christian and, formula. Yeah. Because uh, you're not ready for it yet, because you're jealous and quarreling and, and still get going on about what party you belong to, whether it's Paul <laughs> or Apollos. So aren't you just being merely human, it says. And then he goes on to talk about why that's a bad choice, and, and it moves into a little bit more nature-smarty. Um, so he says, what, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We're just servants. One plants, one waters, and it's God who gives the growth. What are you thinking about lining up with us? Line up with Christ instead, not with us. We're all in it for the same purpose, for the glory of God. So once again, you can check out all our ideas at the show notes and uh, on our, our worksheet at morethanhearing.org. For this segment, we're going to be doing an illustration and special effect for each of Body Smart, Nature Smart, People Smart, and Self Smart. So Molly starts off with the Body Smart. Okay. Well, like David said, uh, Paul is talking about flesh, so that just kind of falls right naturally into this particular smart, this particular category. Um, But Brian Peterson, writing at Working Preacher, says that flesh is not necessarily skin or the meat on the bones. Uh, but it is the, quote, basic, standard, normal, and agreed-upon ways that human society functions, the accepted ways of defining and pursuing the good life. So keeping that definition in mind, flesh to Paul is the body of life as we live it. 
It may include our actual bodies, but it is really more an attitude or an ethical motivation for getting out of bed and living. So that's what Paul is saying is motivating the Corinthians, is the idea of the accepted norm uh, of the culture and the society, not the cross, which is the contrast that he's trying to make here. So for an illustration, you might want to ask yourself and ask your congregation, what is our flesh? How do we define flesh? How do we define the body? How do we define the body politic? How do we define the body as it moves and lives in the world? And how does our actual body reflect that? So maybe connect your own corpus (laughs) to the attitude you have toward living in the world. Okay, so in a special effect, this again comes out of verses 1 and 2, for, for a special effect, particularly about what Paul is trying to say about the maturity of the body, have three different dinner options available for display. Have a baby bottle with formula, right there, a jar of baby food with that little spoon that goes with it, and a plate with a burger and fries or some other kind of entree and sides. I mean, big people food. And talk about the nutritional complexity of each of these and the necessity for a mature digestive tract to deal with the increasing complexity of the food. So that kind of gives you an idea of the the growth of the body, the maturity of the body, and its capacity to handle different types of nourishment, which is what Paul is saying to these people. I can only give you milk because that's all you're ready for. Mm, Okay. For Nature Smart, we're looking at verses 5 through nine, the second half of the passage where he's talking about the uh, farming and gardening imagery there. And, And so as winter is beginning to give way to spring here in the Northern Hemisphere, some people will be starting already to think about their gardens. So invite such a one to come and talk about the preparations that are needed for a successful garden and uh, the different tasks of preparing the soil and choosing and planting the seeds or seedlings and the ongoing maintenance and watering and weeding that are required. And consider which task is more important, planting or watering? Well, that's kind of a chicken and egg question, isn't it? absolutely is, and that's the (laughs) point. And that's the point Paul's trying to make. It doesn't matter. We both have to do all this work, so you have to have all of this going on, so quit trying to make one better than the other. You have to have it all. So that's the illustration. For a special effect, uh, does your church have flower beds, and who tends them? And if they're available, take some time to plan out a season of flowers and keep track of how they grow over the summer and into the fall. Use those flowers in the sanctuary or the fellowship hall. And if you really want to get green thumbish, uh, have a have a chart that maps out the necessary steps of planting and preparing and, and all the things. And who's going to do that? Mm-hmm. And um, Make it a church-wide project. Yeah. And do you have a place that you could grow vegetables? Well, do some of that and then make use of the produce. Either have a produce exchange or take it to the local food bank. There you go. They always could use the fresh veggies. Mm -hmm. For People Smart, as an illustration, we're looking at verse 4. When Paul says, Are you not merely human to a particularly competitive people? It might be a spark for them to aspire to that greater humanity in Christ that Paul hopes that they're going to achieve. 
So it's kind of essentially you show a goal to a type A personality and it can become like catnip to a cat. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. You bet. I mean, it's kind of going in the back door to get them to develop and mature in Christ. But, you know, you deal with what you got. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's an illustration. A special effect, uh, belonging uh, to a faction that has had a great deal of significance in the life of a church can really define us long past the life of that particular conflict in the life of that faction. You know, you can talk to people and they can remember 30 years ago when they were on this side of that fight about the mm. lights in the sanctuary. Right, right. And that defines their relationship with other people that were there then or their children even. Mm. So what history does your church have that is keeping your members from growing into Christ? As uh, J.R. Daniel Kirk at Working Preacher says, are we a cross-shaped people? Hmm. Or are we allowing ourselves to be shaped by what we hold on to from the past? That could really be a landmine, so choose that exercise with your eyes wide open. <laughs> yeah, depending on the health of your congregation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, a friend of ours used to tell a story about two congregations in a town, and uh, one was a splitter group from the other. There had been some conflict in the congregation, and a chunk of them broke off and started their own true church right <laughs> next door. So it was, you know, like first church and second church. And um, and he said first that— church and better church. Right, yeah. <laughs> he, he said that there were— records in the minutes that wherein they talked about our ongoing struggle in ministry against the enemy. And he said it was not entirely clear whether they were referring to Satan or the congregation next door. <laughs> One and so, the same in yeah. some ways, probably. Yeah. Golly. So. Man. Okay, going on. That was on, people smart, by the way. That was still some people smart, yeah. Going on to self-smart, Frederick Buechner says that all theology is at heart autobiography. It is the story of how God has entered our lives and how we have responded to it. So taking Buechner's observation to heart, what is your autobiography co-authored by God? How would you tell that story? So give that as a homework assignment. Another self-smart special effect would be from verses 1 and 2 again about the, uh, the spiritual food and the baby food. Uh, what sort of diet are you using for your faith development? Are you taking spiritual milk or spiritual baby food or are you up to the meat and potatoes yet? And what spiritual food sensitivities do you have? Are there things that you avoid and why? Okay, let's go on. The gospel lesson for year A, ordinary six, comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. This is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we had salt and light and Jesus saying, I've not come to abolish but to fulfill the law. And in these particular verses, he gives some examples of how that's going to happen. We have four things that scholars call antitheses, where you have heard it said, but I say to you, the first one is about murder. The second is about committing adultery. The third is about divorce. And the fourth is about swearing, swearing falsely, bearing false witness, making promises that you have no capacity to keep. Um, again, look at our worksheet at www.morethanhearing.org to see the uh, smarts that we are not going to be talking about. But Right now, we're going to look at word, eye, math, body, and if we have time, people. 
So start us off there, David. Okay, for word smart, words definitely have power, and that is part of what's going on in the first antithesis with uh, changing murder into anger and um, character assassination as mm-hmm. well. So uh, it use, Jesus uses the term raka in the Greek, and we don't really know what that means, but it seems to be a, an insult that suggests uh, vanity, emptiness, worthlessness. And he also uses the term fool. So uh, it would be challenging someone's competence and engaging in public shaming, which would have a, an effect on someone's reputation and honor. And in Jesus' culture, that would be everything. Mm-hmm. an honor-based culture. So uh, essentially, don't kill someone's good name any more than you would their their body. Uh, for special effect, have somebody stand up in front of the congregation and yell insults, not at anybody in particular, but just general epithets. Stupid, worthless, lazy, idiot, wicked, crooked, fake, sleazy, slut, good-for-nothing and so on. Now, when I was thinking about that, it got me all verklempt, just thinking about somebody saying such things in in the sanctuary, But because uh, there is power behind all mm-hmm. of those sorts of things. So the, the idea of uh, somebody actually saying such things out loud in the, in the context of the Christian community is just, ugh. Mm-hmm. So after you would do that, you would definitely need to do something to cleanse the air <laughs> and the people's spirits. But uh, I think it would get the, the point across of uh, the, the power, power that those words of have. those words. Mm-hmm. For iSmart, Jesus is taking these requirements of the law and he's intensifying them, which is sort of like holding a magnifying glass up uh, to the eyepiece of a microscope. I mean, you've already got a real intense look at something through the microscope, but he's saying, here, put the magnifying glass in front of it too. So, yeah. So you are really getting a good close look at that. So that's an illustration for iSmart. For uh, a special effect, take a pencil and a pencil sharpener up into the pulpit with you and grind that pencil until it has a point that it could poke through cloth. Super, super sharp, lethally sharp. This is what Jesus is doing with his points about the law. For MathSmart, Uh, We've got a couple of things going on here. Again, Jesus' approach to this whole passage seems to be similar to uh, what he's doing with the law. It seems to be like the old story about the dog poop brownies, where uh, a dad has a couple of teenage kids, and they want to go see the latest movie that everybody's going to see, and it's PG-13 or it's R or whatever it is, depending on the version of the story you hear. And they're making their case why they should be able to say, everybody's doing it. It's just a little bit. That's not that bad. We've heard it before, you know, and everything else in the movie is good. And it's just this little bit. And he's like, no. And and then he makes for them some brownies later. And he says, here, I want you to try these brownies. And they're great. They're full of, you know, gourmet ingredients. There's just one special ingredient. It's dog poop. But it's just a little bit, and all everything else is good, and there's not much, and you've seen it before. And so they get the point. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's that's the story. I'm glad that's, you never did that with our kids, honey. I was tempted. We would be paying some serious I know, therapy. I know. I was tempted, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
But the point being, the logic here, uh, and this is why it's in math, is because of the logic, is that if a little is bad, then any is bad. Mm-hmm. So that's the logic there. Um, for some actual math around this, think about what happens if you're on a straight road and you put your car into just a, a one degree turn, just a little bit left or right, and leave it there so that you're turning at that rate constantly. Before It doesn't take very long before you are entirely off the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we did some of the math for you, and it takes about 250 feet, you would be already more than 100 feet off the road. Mm-hmm. You can take a look at the worksheet and to, to see to the see actual the calculations mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. But um, again, this is what Jesus seems to be doing, is saying a little bit of misdirection and you're going completely off course. Mm-hmm. And so you have to keep it tight. Um, mm-hmm. Anger, lust, desire for separation, these all pull us away from the goals of love and compassion towards others and humility and faithfulness for ourselves. It's also kind of like um, the dangers of texting while driving, because right. that's where one of the, you know, going a degree off course can actually happen. Yeah. That you look down at your phone or you're distracted by whatever it is that you're doing. You take your eyes off the wheel and that one degree happens on 200 and, what is it, 250 feet? feet? Yeah. And uh, it, how far do you travel? I mean, is that uh, how far being, down the road you go or is that how far off the road you go? In the distance, that, if you were going straight and you went 250 feet straight mm-hmm. you would be 115 feet off, off. okay off so 115 per, um, feet yeah. off that that and yeah that's that's crossing at least four lanes of traffic yeah yeah so there's our psa don't text and drive don't text and drive uh for body smart we're looking at verses 29 through 30 where jesus says if your hand right hand offends you cut it off if your right eye offend thee pluck it out uh this is not a direction or an order to for, for self-mutilating. Uh, just get that clear right off the bat. It's a reminder instead that we are to strive to be fully the person that God has created us to be. And that may mean that there are times when we must go with a painful removal process in order to get beyond uh, where we are and to heal and to become more that person. Uh, so for an illustration, you can think of it in terms of burning off a wart, uh, getting that liquid nitrogen and just, oh, that hurts so bad. Or uh, cutting out a growth uh, or uh, scraping some skin clean, anything that gets rid of something that's not healthy in order to reveal the health underneath. So there's an illustration, a special effect if you've got the capacity to handle this. Um, it's a movie, 127 Hours. It's the true story of a man named Aaron Ralston who was uh, trapped under, his right arm was trapped under a rock in a crevasse uh, when he was out, when nobody knew where he was. And the only. He was out in the wilderness somewhere. In the yeah, desert in a desert. Or in a yeah. desert. He had been hiking. And uh, he got his arm trapped under a rock. And he knew, based on his experience of being out in the outdoors that if he stayed there much longer, he was going to die. And he did not want to do that. So his choice was to cut off his arm, which he did. And so we have a link to the trailer for that movie. You don't actually see anything like that happening, but you do kind of get a sense of who he was and the decision that he had to make and how, how, wow, how extreme that was. Yeah. 
For People Smart, looking at verses 24 and 25, where Jesus reminds us that if we go to the altar and and remember that somebody has something against us, that we leave our gift and go be reconciled before we offer our offering at the altar. And so we've got a couple illustrations here for you. The Zulu term Ubuntu, U-B-U-N-T-U, is a term for an ethic of interdependence. It means basically my humanity is caught up, is inextricably bound up in yours. A person is a person through other persons. So this is what Jesus is trying to suggest here in all of these, and well, probably all the whole the, the whole, whole thing Bible yeah, is, right. is about this, right? So uh, another illustration comes from Delmer Chilton over at Lectionary Lab. And uh, he tells about an appellation custom in worship called the flower service, where everyone brings a bouquet of flowers and lays them on the, on the communion table. And uh, after the sermon, then there is a genuine service of reconciliation that mm-hmm. happens as they take their flowers and they go around. And particularly if there is anyone in the congregation that they have had words with or have not had words with, but <laughs> have had. <laughs> but really ought to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that there's anything that stands between any of them, that they go and they apologize for what they've done and they offer forgiveness to each other and exchange flowers. It is a genuine passing of the peace. Yeah. That, uh, just it, it sounds really remarkable. That's, that's about all we're going to say about it here, but we have a link for you so you can look it up and, and see more about it. But uh, th- that might be a really powerful thing to talk about first and then maybe to plan. And to as we're some point. <laughs> moving into Lent, that might be a mm. really good um, yeah. uh, act of penance and or penance. Penitence, penitence and penitence. repentance. Yeah, that's there the you go. And community. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's it for today's podcast. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org, or at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or give us a tweet at at morethanhearing, or you can email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you try any of these suggestions, or maybe you get an idea that you like even better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We would really love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship preparation. Be sure to look for the show notes, links, and resources on our website. We publish our worksheets on each text so that you can see some of our ideas that didn't make it into the podcast. They could be helpful and give you a spark. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast using the iTunes, Android, or RSS links at the bottom of the show notes, or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org slash feed slash podcast. You can find us on the iTunes store, too, and you can subscribe there directly. If you like the show, you can help us by writing a review at iTunes, as it helps other people find us more easily and also by sharing the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another installment next week. So in the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart.
sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. This is a Whippet Good production. We hope you'll choose to choose. <laughs> it would have worked. <laughs>